It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked on Raptors, it's media day, which means the NBA season is drawing near. The Raptors are less than a week away from a preseason game, and I was down at media day along with today's guest taking in all the sights and sounds. We will dig into our big takeaways from the various press conferences and otherwise down to Raptors media day with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. That's all coming up in just a second. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1248 of Lockdown Raptors for Monday, September the 26th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, author of We the Champs and host of this here podcast. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for being here for today's show. I forget how I opened this damn thing. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors on all your podcast apps as well. You can go and subscribe, follow, rate, and review for free. We're also on YouTube for free as well. So go check the show out there and support it by hitting that big red subscribe button. It's enormous. You can't miss it. It's much appreciated when you do that as it is appreciated when you make us your first listen of the day all all right, it's media day today down at Hotel X in Toronto. Bit of a change of scenery. Normally we're down at Scotiabank Arena, uh, but same usual parade of press conferences and thoughts on the season to come. And joining me here is a man who was there as well, taking it all in. It's Vivek Jacob. How's it going, pal? It's good, man. It feels like we are back, ready to get in a groove. And this feels like the first normal season mm-hmm. in a while. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> certain media members are going to have uh, access back in the locker rooms and you, the way players and the co- uh, coach Nick Nurse talked about, you know, having a full summer. Uh, Masai talked about it as well. Just having a normal off season that kind of portends to the Raptors being at their best because we know that this is a 12 month development program and they love to have their summers. Yeah, for sure. Especially like Pascal Siakam hasn't had a real summer since like 2019, considering everything that's gone on with injury last summer and condensed off seasons. It, it, has, it does feel like it was a long time. Like normally media day feels like the first day of school, but it kind of felt like that extremely today just because it's been so long since the Raptors played games, since everyone was kind of around and hanging out. Uh, it was really, really cool. Also, the mini blueberry muffins were delicious. All right, let's dive in now to our... Our, uh, big takeaways from media day shall we i'll throw it to you what was your sort of big overarching takeaway from what we heard today from masai ujiri nick nurse and the various players who took to the podium well besides the fact that og is now you know o period g period 
Very um, important stylistically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I think the it's the obvious one. It's the fact that you look around the East or look around the league as a whole. There were these teams that took big swings mm-hmm. to put themselves or further themselves in certain conversations. And the Raptors ultimately said, no, we really like where we're at with our core group and mm-hmm. we're banking on internal development and growth. Uh, and we like our chances against anyone as we stand. Yeah, I think that's really well put. And it seems as though the continuity thing is very much the thing they're betting on here and thinking, okay, like we barely got our feet under us last year. Nick Nurse talked about how it took four to six weeks for the team to just even like figure out the defensive principles. Obviously, they really found a gear in the second half of the season. They were the number two team in the Eastern Conference after January 1st. We know this by now. Uh, and a full off season of kind of being schooled in the Raptors way of doing things and more time played with one another. Obviously, the Rico Hines runs were a very big topic of conversation at Media Day as well. And I spent the entire summer being like, I don't care about that grainy footage. Who gives a damn? It's like, oh, great. It's like watching Ben Simmons shoot against chairs. Like, I don't really care until I see it on an NBA court. But the way they spoke about the Rico Hines runs when they were asked about him and the number of guys who were at them and who were playing together all summer long, like the people within the team seem to think it really matters. And so I will change my thinking and maybe think it actually matters now, not to mention they actually hired Rico Hines to be an assistant coach for the team, which everyone seems to be over the moon about as Pascal Siakam put it. He basically is the embodiment of everything that is the Raptors, uh, which is pretty awesome. And so they seem to really be buying that the continuity can carry them forward and be that sort of agent of internal growth. I guess my question is big V I'm I have my thought on this, but I'll let you go first. Like, do you think this might be the last year where it's kind of like happy go lucky continuity's nice. Let's just see how things roll. Unless obviously there's like huge monumental steps taken that, you know, ensure that they have to just kind of keep on this track going into the years to come. But for me, I got a bit of a vibe that like if there isn't in like a, a serious amount of internal growth here, if there is an improvement, if there isn't, uh, you know, I don't think Masai thinks they're a championship team or anything like that. He said as much. But if there isn't like tangible, obvious growth, do you kind of think maybe the whole, hey, we're patient. We can be patient about anything because that's kind of our luxury with where we are as a franchise. Like, do you think that might kind of run dry if this season maybe doesn't feature a whole lot of internal growth and steps forward? Yes, but what I will add is that within the organization, they won't measure that in wins and losses. Agreed, yeah. And especially, you know, if you just look at the win-loss total from last season and you say, okay, you absolutely have to better that this season, um, I don't think they'll necessarily view it that way. I think they'll look at Scotty Barnes and say, okay, here are the things that we kind of laid out over the summer uh, mm-hmm. or bef- before uh, you went into your summer, where are you at right now? Pascal, same thing. Fred, same thing. And so those are the things that they'll assess. And so Masai borrowed that Dwayne Casey quote of, you told on yourselves, yeah. right? And so if that was sort of scratching the surface last season, especially that stretch where we saw them go, 34 and 17 i believe to finish the season then what they were able to accomplish defensively is what they'll say okay can you be somewhat better in that area where 
you know, you were top six defense. Can you creep into that top five maybe? Mm-hmm. And offensively is where we really want to see that growth. The half-court offense was 26th in the league. Uh, the shooting was not good. We know that. Uh, we had a bit of an excuse in terms of uh, the injuries and the way mm-hmm. that, you know, pretty much most nights you had one, if not two, of Fred, OG, Gary. Who's the other shooter I'm, I'm thinking of? <laughs> Who's the other shooter? That's <laughs> it. Be behind Luke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But most nights they had at least one of those guys missing or fred you know after the all-star break shooting 25 percent from three and Mm -hmm. so i think those things really impacted them negatively on the offensive end and they still did really well so i think that's where they'll look at and say okay we know these are the weaknesses we outlined them over the second half of the uh, of last season or you know you can even say for for the season as a whole and now that's where we want to see that growth Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm with you i don't think like the measuring stick no, it's fine. Go nuts, man. Uh, people like you more than me. That's the secret of the Monday show with you. Uh, <laughs> Not true. For me, like I don't think I'm with you. I, I don't think they're going to determine whether the season was a success or not based on the win total or even like the level of playoff advancement necessarily. I think that'll be very contextual and like we'll know when we see it, right? It's going to be like, okay... Was this a success? Oh, they went to seven in the first round against the Bucks or something? Like, yeah, that's probably deemed a success, but you won't be able to really judge that until you see what happens in the lead up to it and what happens, you know, whatever the end result is. I do think, though, like I said, like the honeymoon phase, which it feels like this whole franchise has kind of been dealing with since they drafted Scotty Barnes and left Tampa Bay in their dust, like this feels like the last year for that to me, right? Like where they might look at this team and say, hey, like, let's give it another ride to see what sticks and what, you know, is going to be part of this thing long term. But I do kind of feel like at the end of this season, there will be a bit of an inflection point where they kind of have to decide, all right, what do we need to add to this team to really kind of make it sing? What who maybe doesn't belong on this team long term? Like that feels like a set of decisions that is coming at the end of this year. And I kind of feel like the vibe I got from Masai, at least talking about the need for growth and yet still the desire to win, 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 as he says every freaking time he talks to the media feels like that's where those sort of interests will collide at the end of the season. And obviously, you know, we'll see how it all plays out, but it's, uh, it does put a little bit of, I think stakes onto this year in a way that maybe I didn't really expect, but there are a lot of decisions to make a couple of guys with pending contracts. Although Fred Van Vliet doesn't seem like he's going anywhere based on the way things were talked about today, even though he doesn't have an extension done. Uh, and with that, let's pivot into talking about Fred Van Vliet and his role in the team. I think that was kind of another storyline out of today. And uh, we'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net who are the place to go if you are looking to put some money down whether it's on football or anything else they got you covered for football though they got latest player developments injury reports team matchup news podcasts in-depth articles analysis on every game you can find and it's going to help you become the informed wagerer so you're not just throwing money indiscriminately at picks you can go in and say oh Bet Online says the Tennessee Titans are bad, which they are as a Tennessee Titans fan. I can say that, a lapsed Titans fan, but still, 
You can go put money down on some other team and not the Tennessee Titans or the team that is playing the Tennessee Titans. Whatever you want, you're going to become the informed wager when you go to betonline.net. They're your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every single sport out there. You got MLB, you got MMA, boxing, golf, NBA futures. Why not put some money down on a team to hit the over? The Raptors do it every freaking year. This might be the year to do it once again. Either way, head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Digging into Raptors Media Day takeaways with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. Big V, Fred Van Vliet. He spoke today. uh, Lots of interesting stuff, as there usually is when Fred Van Vliet addresses the media. He's a very well-spoken man. Uh, What were your sort of impressions of the way Fred A. talked about himself, the way last season ended, uh, his role on this year's team, and then the way that, you know, Nick Nurse and others talked about Fred Van Vliet what are your sort of inklings if you're reading between the lines? What can we expect from the way the Raptors are going to use Fred Van Vliet this season, maybe in comparison to seasons past? Yeah, so in terms of usage, he had some level of, account- of accountability saying that he wanted to get his body stronger and mm-hmm. cope at a higher level with the rigors of the NBA season. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I asked Nick Nurse about his minutes, he said, hey, if you want me to say I'm going to play him less, I'll say I'm playing him less. <laughs> and, <laughs> Shut up and stop bothering me about it is, uh, <laughs> I think, the translation on that. <laughs> but one thing he did uh, explain that I thought was really insightful was maybe into how his decision-making process played out last season where Fred is so effective at defending pick and rolls Mm -hmm. that when he looked down the line he wasn't necessarily getting what he wanted and so when you have someone defending at that elite level he just didn't want to take him off the court and so Mm -hmm. he Mm -hmm. sees a path to uh better pick and roll defense this season um and so when he's on the bench you know you expect whoever's in that role, whether it's Scotty getting reps at the point guard, whether whether it's Pascal, uh, whether it's Malachi Flynn, you hope to see that being done well enough to a point where they're comfortable with just keeping Fred on the bench for more than they have the last couple of seasons. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I think that's what the usage is going to look like. And then lastly, in terms of offense, it does seem like there will be a bit more of a catch-and-shoot role for him this season. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was that was the other big takeaway that I had. Yeah, that was a big one. Um, shout out to our guy, Samson Folk, just gassing up Fred Van Vliet for his incredible three-point shooting numbers and making it seem like it was Fred's idea to stand off ball more often. Um, no, it, it really was 
you know, an issue last year, right? There's a lot of Fred Van Vliet on the ball, even going back. Like, you think back to the bubble, for example. Like, the worst possession of that entire playoff run is Game 7 against Boston, Fred Van Vliet dri- dribbling the ball into oblivion, where, you know, maybe he's better used off the ball or, or, you know, a better sort of melding of the two ways in which you use him. You shouldn't take him off the ball entirely. He's a very good playmaker. But certainly, I, I think there's a realization that he is really, really good away from the ball. He said as much himself, like those are the easiest shots I can get is open looks off the ball. And I don't really care if I'm on the ball or off the ball. As long as we're getting good looks, that's kind of all I, and that was what I really needed to hear. I think from Fred, I've been very staunch and like not thinking he's the gunner that a lot of people kind of profess him to be just because in moments he's taken on a pretty ample burden and maybe not done amazingly with just a ridiculous usage sitting on his shoulders. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to hear from him. That selfish play you just talked about, sorry, kind of embodies that where like they were running the hammer set that they run all the time. Mm -hmm. The Celtics snuffed it out and Mm -hmm. took away that corner pass. He saw that and knew that wasn't happening and so tried to create something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, maybe call a timeout. You have one to use. (laughs) But at the same time, it was very good defense that forced them into a bad scenario. There's one thing that I want people to know about my feelings on the 2020 playoffs is I'm definitely not mad at all. I'm still not mad in any way. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I think what I wanted to hear from Fred was like some sort of inkling that, yeah, there will be a little bit more in terms of diversity in which the way he gets his touches and stuff like that. And and I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the point Scotty stuff, which I want to talk about shortly here as well. Um, The other thing I thought was really interesting that Fred said he was digging into you know, the sort of back part of last season, obviously you mentioned the 25% from outside after the all-star break, just completely kind of breaking down. And he kind of said that because the team was playing so well and kind of hit that groove after the all-star break where they were winning every game they were playing, essentially, he felt like he wanted to be out there and maybe kind of zoned out the degree to which he was listening to his own body, which sounds very Kyle Lowry like, if you ask me, Uh, not to continue to draw those comparisons, but he did point out that, like, yeah, I probably didn't listen to my body very well. And, like, he, he had to sort of take that and learn from it in the offseason. And I would hope that the general lesson that everybody kind of picked up on last year is, oh, yeah, Fred playing 34 minutes is probably going to behoove everybody here uh, instead of the 38, 39 he was playing most nights last year. Like, it, it just, he, it, it did feel like a little different. It didn't feel like there was, like, a contentious sort of, tone of well i'm just gonna be fred van vliet do the things i've always done right it was like yeah yeah there's probably some changes we can do in sort of the way to approach both the sort of management of the minutes and the role and also the actual role went on the floor um which is kind of exciting again fred van vliet rocks i have nothing against fred van vliet but i think it's probably best for this team if he's like the third most important player and everything kind of flows from that and he can also you know defend like a maniac on the defensive end as he's wont to do um point scotty this was through line as well. Uh, Scotty Barnes thinks he's a point guard. Nick Nurse uh, thinks he's uh, mentioned him having the ball in his hands a little more often. I think Masai talked about the whole world going crazy when they listened to him as a guard forward in the media. <laughs> like right next to the O.G.Ananobi is Scotty Barnes, guard forward. Everyone losing their minds over that. Um, what are your thoughts on point, Scotty? I know that on this podcast, we've talked a lot about the idea of Scotty and Pascal kind of taking up the playmaking burden for this team in a big way this year um but you know it seems as though point scotty's a thing that everybody's kind of on board within the franchise where are you at with that and what were your thoughts on scotty barnes's uh, media availability today 
I think it's real, and I think it'll be spectacular. I think yep. Scotty Barnes <laughs> <laughs> is a special, special player. And even when Masai was asked to describe him, he was like, he seems like this thing from the future. Yeah. <laughs> That's really indescribable. And, you know, I go back to even those moments he had in the playoffs where it's only the like the elite, elite players where when they have the ball in their hands, everything just seems under control mm -hmm. and everything is sort of at their mercy. And Scotty is that kind of player. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when he gets to his ultimate peak is a question, but I think it's going to be really intriguing to see him make a leap. You know, I think most people are probably in that range of, you know, getting into an all-star conversation. Yeah. Not necessarily Injured replacement possibility. That's like the, the, the threshold you want to be hitting. <laughs> That's the, yeah, exactly. the Mike Conley <laughs> area is where you want to be. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that's what people are kind of earmarking for him. And I think that's a fair sort of place to put him at. I think he's mm -hmm. that good. I think he's that special. Um, I've said before that I think he'll be an all NBA caliber player by the end of his rookie contract. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, point Scotty, I think is definitely a, a great way to maximize that peak because again, he is going to survey the floor for options, but he, he also show, showed last season that when he sees an opportunity, whether it's the post, whether it's that mid-range, uh, we'll see where the three-point shot's at this season, he can take it upon himself, no problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I have maybe been sort of incorrectly heaping a lot of the burden of sort of making sure everybody eats on this team on Fred Van Vliet. And... I think Scotty's actually going to kind of be an agent for trying to sort of spread the love a little bit, right? Like he's such an unselfish player. He's wired to be a point guard. I think it was Nick Nurse talked about him just sort of, that's his sort of first notion is to want to pass and play make. Masai might have said this. They all kind of ran together. But um, all, all the Scotty praise is very much, uh, you know, uniform across the board. And yeah, I think... As a guy with the ball in his hands, A, like he's such a visionary passer. You would hope that in year two, like the rest of the team will understand where his passes are coming from more as opposed to last year where he was passing to guys who didn't even realize they were open just yet. You would hope there's a little bit more simpatico there. And I think like just in terms of ensuring that the best players are getting the shots that are, are sort of their best suited towards, like... Scotty working downhill with OG and Fred working off ball, maybe Pascal in the corner where he was the, the team's best corner shooter like last season. Like there's going to be some iterations where Scotty has the ball in his hands and it's sort of like Scotty plus shooters, Scotty plus dudes in his orbit. And I think that's going to be a really effective look. Obviously, he needs to work on the pull-up stuff and the three-point shot coming along would be a huge thing to sort of unlock everything for him. But he's so bruising and able to get to his spots whenever he wants anyway that I don't even know if he necessarily needs to be like a great three-point shooter right now to have a positive impact on the way the team plays in the half court. And yeah, I'm fully on board for Point Scotty, baby. It's going to be a blast. He seems to fancy himself a point guard above all else, which is great too. Um, and I think that could be one of the ways by which the Raptors kind of alter things up, which leads me to the final thing I wanted to get into here. We're going to get to it just in one second here. But 
the idea of the Raptors changing the way they play, both on offense and on defense, that came up a little bit today. Uh, it seems as though there might be some change, more earmarked for the offensive side of the ball than the defensive side of the ball. We'll get to that and why that is in just one second. But first, a reminder, go to Locked On NBA on YouTube or on the various podcast feeds and check out the Locked On NBA Top 50 Players by Bet Online as we run through the 50 most valuable players in the league as determined by Bet Online and react to them. I really, really laid into the Bet Online folks for their horrible ranking of Pascal Siakam at number 30, which is just insane. If you want to go see that and all the other videos reacting to the top 50 players, go and do that. Lock up YouTube, and on your favorite podcast apps. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Big V, changing of the style of play came up a little bit today. I think, you know, Raptors fans all summer long have been sort of wondering, are they going to dial back the aggression defensively? Are they going to dial back the insane reliance on offensive putbacks to drive their offense? And a couple of interesting things were brought up today. Nick Nurse was asked, you know, kind of about the the lack of a center and the sort of the vision six, nine of it all a little bit. And he was asked like what they learned from the playoffs and whether or not it becomes, if, if it's a vital, it's a viable strategy to sort of use for long chunks of games. I think you might've brought up that like Fred Van Vliet himself said that, you know, it's a tool, but it's not everything. And in response to that, Nick Nurse basically said, yeah, but like, it's not that big a problem if we don't have a center, right? Like he's like, he, he, you know, talked about how much he loves the versatility and the fact that in some lineups, you don't know who's playing which position and that's a feature and not a bug. And then pointed out to like, yeah, there's sure Joel Embiid's big, but like we have ways to deal with him and we don't necessarily need to have a center. We don't think, um, which was interesting considering I think most Raptors fans, if you pulled them on the thing that they want most on the team, it's just us seven footer to go throw at big people um where are you at with nurse's response to that is that alarming at all to you or is it kind of like a do you kind of respect the notion that they're just gonna stick with it no matter what and, and like i don't think he's wrong either to say that there are ways you can work around the embiid of it all with a bit of a helter skelter look it's not traditional it might not be easy but there are ways where are you at with nurses sort of uh, seeming doubling down on the way they play defense being the way they're going to play defense? I'm fine with it. I think uh, it was very effective. And so, you know, maybe some people have some doubts about how intense it is. Like for me, it's around the margins that needs to improve, right? So yeah. when there's, five seconds or less on the shot clock and the ball swings out to the corner, you don't need to have a flyby contest on that where yeah. you're running out like a madman, especially when the scheme is designed to force the ball into the hands of the guys who are not comfortable having it. Mm -hmm. And so when you've accomplished that, trust that one, they are not comfortable putting the ball on the floor. Number two, they are going to be under duress in that situation. So you have already optimized the situation. So at that mm -hmm. point, just stay on your feet. And I think that's where, you know, you create some of those 
mad scramble opportunities that work out in the other team's favor. And that's where, you know, you are giving back the, the amazing offensive rebounding you had. You did give back a good chunk of that uh, on your own defensive glass. Mm-hmm. So those are the, it's like marginal stuff that I think can go a long way. Mm-hmm. And one thing I will say, I wrote about this uh, when I talked about the Raptors defense coming into this season on Raptors.com is we can focus on the corner threes a lot as well. Let's not ignore the fact that they depend, uh, they defend the large bulk of corner three shots, period. Well, mm-hmm. non corner threes, they were top five in the league defensively. Mm-hmm. And so corner threes account for about, you know, 25 to 30% of all threes attempted. So we're harping in on that being a really negative thing. But we also got to recognize that all those non-corner threes, they are defending really well. Yeah, definitely. I, I do think there's probably like a little bit of, you know, I've probably been guilty of it myself, like kind of overblowing the need to sort of dial things back. Like if they feel like the continuity that they kind of talked about is going to help them carry over that defense and they feel like it can work over long stretches. I'm happy to see if they can do it for another full season. Like it, it did work unquestionably in the back part of last year the nights where it doesn't work are ugly for sure and you know it'd be nice if they had some contingencies in place where all right we don't have the rotations tonight we're not super crisp maybe we're on the second night of a back-to-back maybe there's different ways we can kind of go about this because of the defensive tools that we have on hand with all of these guys with the length and on-ball chops they tend to have but as far as sort of being high event when it comes to defense I don't, I don't think it's terrible and i think I would much rather them be sort of committed to it as opposed to sort of having what happened happen last year and say, yeah, we're going back to the drawing board and starting from scratch. Like, I suppose if you're looking for sort of the, the preferred outcome, it's them wanting to say, hey, like, let's roll it back and see if we can do it again. Because, um, like, the highs of it are very high. And, you know, think back to 2019-20. They played a very similar defense, and they were the number two defense in the league. They were the talk of the NBA. They were think-piece fodder. And it did work. And so, yeah, look, defense is hard. It's not always going to be the same thing. They're going to do lots of different things for sure. And probably more different things this year than they have in the past, just because as you get better at the things you're really good at, then you can kind of devote your attention to other stuff too. Um, But I I don't think we're going to see a tangible change in the way they play defense this season based on what we heard today. Offensively, maybe a little different. Um, I'm curious what you thought about Nick Nurse was asked about this and his big focus for changing the way the offense works was to really hammer home the importance of getting to the rim and free throw rate last season the raptors were 26th in rim percentage in terms of frequency of their shots that came at the rim or percentage of their shots that came at the rim per cleaning the glass they were 24th in free throw rate and so it's all nice and good to say we're gonna get to the rim and get free throws baby like everyone wants to do that it's quite a different thing to actually put it into practice on the floor Nick Nurse said that. Do you think that's a f- viable thing for the Raptors to try to improve this season based on the guys they have on the floor? Like, where are you at with their ability to actually get to the rim and the free throw line with the frequency they're going to need to bring up from being a bottom 10, not very good half court offense? So, I thought it was really interesting how Nick talked about, you know, really getting to the rim to open up the three point shot. Yeah. But I think the marginal ways in which they've improved 
the roster, whether it be the addition of Otto Porter Jr., whether it be uh, what's projected to be improved three-point shooting from uh, Scotty and Pascal, Mm -hmm. and then just having OG healthy, I think having those perimeter threats are actually going to open up driving lanes Mm-hmm. And that's when that's what's going to feed into the drive and kick action. And so for me, I think the big thing is availability, right? Yeah. How many games does Otto Porter Jr. play? How do you, how many games does OG Ananobi play? If those two guys give you, you know, 60 plus games, it'd be incredible if they gave you 70 plus games. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think you're sitting pretty because, you know, you, you have a decent level of expectation with Gary. Um, and then with Fred, you know, again, the, it goes back to the minutes thing. So I think there's they've ascended the roster to like an acceptable level of three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. It's not elite by any means. I don't expect them to be one of the, you know, the better t- three-point shooting teams. But in terms of having a functional modern-day offense, I think they've accomplished that goal. And mm-hmm. then it comes down to, Hey, okay, now because of the spacing, when Pascal's got the ball, when Scotty's got the ball, you're forcing the defense into these decisions now that they don't want to make. And that's mm-hmm. what's opening up these open looks. Yeah, I think point Scotty kind of plays into this quite a bit. He was pretty good getting to the rim last year. He was in the 68th percentile. I had the number written down. I uh, lost the tab, but per cleaning the glass, 68th percentile and getting to the rim and was in the like an 81st percentile scoring at the rim. He was 71% at the rim last season and just a little bit extra space, a little less clogging in the middle. Feels like it'll help sort of amp up those numbers a little bit, both for Scotty and for Pascal, who spent much of the last three seasons driving into three bodies because no one's been worried about the shooting that's surrounding him. So yeah, I look, I don't think this is going to be a great offensive team necessarily. Like, I think they have the capacity to be, average to slightly above average i don't think they're going to be a top 10 defense but if they can flirt with like 13th on on the in the half court couple that with their transition scoring and hopefully more efficient transition scoring than they had last year where they kind of just pounded volume into you and didn't really score efficiently on the run like if they can kind of make a little of that back still be a high event defense and just kind of count on a little bit more off-ball Fred, you know, amped up catch and shoot there, maybe a little bit more catch and shoot from Pascal, who's been very good in that department, and that's sort of allowed because Scotty can be another one of your prime initiators, like, yeah, it's probably going to be a healthier half-court offense, and if you can couple that with a defense that's like top eight, then you're cooking, so... Yeah, I, I will examine more and more to get into the X's and O's and the details of how exactly they'll go about playing offense and defense this season as they look to find improvements. And we'll probably get some smart people on the show to talk about that stuff. Uh, but that feels like a pretty good spot to leave this off for now, Big V, who uh, you're going to be leaving us for a couple of weeks going on a little trip and you'll be back in time for the season. Actually, your next episode is going to be the Over Under Spectacular, the sixth annual Over Under Spectacular with myself, you, and Sahal Abdi, which is going to be awesome. But in the meantime, where can people check out all of your wonderful work? 
raptors.com that'll be the number one spot for the next little while so just look out for my content there and my vacay homework will obviously be the over-unders that you send us to <laughs> i will be sending them uh the day the morning of just as a competitive edge for me so you guys have no time <laughs> to think about it I might just reveal them on the podcast so there's no preparation done by it but i'll have them i already know what they are so going for my first win if uh, i'll do anything i can to win this damn thing for the very first time in literally six years it's ridiculous anyway we'll route it there thank you so much for tuning in we'll be back again tomorrow hopefully we can dig further into the idea of the raptors expanding their rim and free throw rates and uh we'll get to that hopefully with a smart guest uh we also uh, i'll have a mailbag at this at some point this week probably either tomorrow or wednesday we'll figure out the scheduling but if you have a mailbag question you can drop it in the comments below in this episode i'll also do a little mailbag prompt on both twitter and on youtube so you can send in your questions as we'll get a little media day preseason mailbag we've got a game coming up the raptors play on sunday against the utah jazz in edmonton which is a weird sentence uh so we got that it's lovely it's it's but it's first day of school we're having a great time so uh with that we'll round up the show thank you for making us your first listen of the day thank you as always for uh following subscribing rating and reviewing for free on all your favorite podcast apps and go and make your second listen of the day locked on nba as they are covering the league and all the media day developments Hopefully not Kyrie Irving, because that guy is an idiot. Uh, but hopefully they're covering all the other stuff that's going on on Media Day. All the excitement abound. All the Oklahoma City Thunder professing as though they're going to try to win games this year. All the lies. It's the best. Don't we love Media Day? Uh, go check out Locked on NBA as they break it all down. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.